Collins and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Devin Booker? Nope. Chris Paul? No. Cam Johnson? No. Steve Nash? No. Mark Stoudemire? No. Sean Marion? Sean Marion. Dan Mar- Richardson? Dan Marley? Charles Barkley? No. Uh, campaign? No. Let's add to the fun. DeAndre Ayton has been ruled out. He will not play tonight against the Golden State Warriors in a game that tips yeah. off at 8 o'clock. Which means, yeah, I expect that. I expect. I expect within the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours, the Suns will do something um, about addressing the, the the depth issue right now with all the guys out. So, you know, look to. for them to They're- maybe sign a player to a ten-day contract within the next day or two. They got to get bodies, right? Right now, they got to get bodies until they make a Jay Crowder trade. Until the trade deadline comes up. Listen, we're also going to get expect to get these guys all back, like within you know by the end of the month. Maybe not book by the end of the month, but everybody else should be should be coming back. Um, so. I think that that's a good sign, but I think for the time being, you know, people have asked me, what do you think the Suns are going to do that? Yes, I do think that you'll, you'll, in the next 24 to 48 hours, they'll probably bring in a guy on a 10-day contract so they have another body. I mean, I, I would think Chris Paul is close. I mean, it was a hip injury. I mean, I don't know how close, but I, I, it didn't look like it was that serious. So, so hopefully it's not very long for him. I would think DeAndre Ayton, you know, he talked about being made of vibranium the other day so that he didn't think he'd be out very long. He thought he was going to play tonight, so he's been ruled out. But I would think he'd be close. Campaign, we know they're not going to reevaluate him for at least another two weeks. The, the, and we, of course, know about Devin Booker, who's still weeks away from returning with the groin injury. Cam Johnson is the one. Like, and not that he's, wait, I hate to make him the savior the minute he walks in the door. He's the one that I would love to get some clarification from the organization on when he's going to be back, right? He's, because everybody else is either really close or really far away. Cam Johnson seems like he's kind of in the middle where he's ramping up his conditioning. It seems like he's doing more and more every single day. It feels like any day now we could get word of a Cam Johnson return. He would be the one gamble I would love to know. When is he going to be back? Because he brings so much of that scoring punch that this team has just been missing lately. I don't know if he can do it by himself, but he's really he's really been missed out there in terms of what he does. Uh, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, we could sit here and talk point to all the times where you know it kind of went south and everything but the, it really started with the the injury to cam johnson and then from there the injuries just multiplied and we just kept getting more and more and and not you know the you know the cam was the big injury you know books got a long-term injury and then other guys have had you know injuries like campaign but without cam cam johnson's such a big part of what they do he's not their most important player no but he is a guy that really gives them a lot of what they're what they're lacking right now just somebody could somebody else could score the basketball and shoot the basketball and is not afraid and will take those shots because you know we've seen with mikhail that Mikhail's a really good player, but when you ask him to do that type of scoring, see, Cam's much better suited to do the scoring and and pick up that load when when key guys are out compared to Mikhail. Would you agree? Totally agree, one hundred percent. His game just leans more towards the offensive. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, and that and that's where you're like, okay, you really really miss him. Now, you know, the, the interesting thing is, listen, there's a reason why they didn't get a contract extension done with Cam Johnson. I mean, there's a reason why, and I think these injuries are a factor, and that's got to be something that again has to be factored into, you know, the future. He'll be a restricted free agent like DeAndre Ayton was. 
and you'll have to see if somebody gives him an offer or if the Suns can get something done. But uh, there's a reason the Suns were only willing to go a certain amount of money on Cam. It's, and I think it's it's not because they don't like him as a player. It's because there are definitely in- injury concerns there. Yeah, look, I, I, I really like Cam Johnson a lot. I think he brings much to the table, and I've enjoyed every single conversation we've ever had with him. But you and I had a conversation about a week ago about the expendability of Mikel and how maybe that's gone up a little bit, sort of seeing that the more looks he gets, the more exposed he becomes. And does that make him not expendable necessarily, but maybe more expendable than he was this summer when he was absolutely untouchable in any kind of trade for anybody? Kind of feel the same way about Cam Johnson, where, man, over the summer I would have said, you got to resign him, you got to resign him, you got to get it done. Now I'm not so sure. I mean, the injury issue is something that cannot be denied. It, it, it pops up for him at, at the most inopportune times. Not that that's his fault, not that he has any control over that, but before making a long-term investment like that, you have to, you have to contemplate things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that does, any conversation we have, you and I, about guys who might be traded this offseason or guys maybe who's not a part of the next window for the Suns, Cam Johnson is a name who I think is expendable in that regard because he's just so uncertain with his with his injuries. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the Suns not liking him. No, it's just like, no. you know, how much money and listen, there was a way the Suns built the team in the past before they gave all these extensions out to Mikhail and DA. And and, and the way that they, they approached it was we're going to be better than everybody in this league with our third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth player. And that was the philosophy, and it was a good philosophy, you know, because they didn't have the they didn't have a one-two comparable to the top five teams one-two combinations. You know, Tatum Brown or LeBron AD. They didn't have the best one-two. Then you had Chris Paul. You pay Chris Paul. You give Devin Booker the max. You give DeAndre the max. You resign Mikhail, and that philosophy's changed because now that you've got four guys that you're paying, you don't have the money to be better than everybody else at 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. got to be very wise with the way you spend that money. Yeah. So th- they did have an approach, but that approach changed recently with the addition, with the uh, extensions for DeAndre Ayton and for Devin Booker and for Mikhail Bridges and obviously Chris's contract. So that has changed the approach quite a bit on how they want to do things. So the Suns going to this game tonight against the Warriors. Uh, Golden State's getting Steph Curry back tonight. They made that announcement about an hour hour ago the Warriors right now and I know there's 40 games to go we are we are actually I should have made note of this we're exactly halfway home on the NBA season the Suns have played 41 games we're halfway there the Warriors are the seventh seed Um, the Suns are a half game behind them at eight the Suns are actually in a three-way tie for eight nine and ten along with Minnesota and Portland Suns have the tiebreaker so they would be number eight right now they're only a game ahead of Utah and the Lakers for being out of the play-in tournament completely and into the lottery. That's how kind of precarious this all is. And something we haven't mentioned yet, and I think is Bears' discussion, the one starter who is healthy, I think we have to question how healthy Mikel Bridges is right now. Because I, I don't know if you caught the conversation on Bally Sports Arizona during the um, during the Cavs game. But there was kind of an open conversation about whether they need to give him a day off. Now, I understand right now they can't because of all the guys they're missing. But Mikel is playing a high number of minutes, a high number of important minutes. He's never missed a game since he's been in the NBA. He looks tired out there, right? It, it, because he's, he's the one guy that they've been able to count on who can be out there game after game. After game, and that toll might be starting to wear on him a little bit. 
you know, we, we just kind of look at Mikael Bridges and expect him to play, you know, right. maximum minutes every single night and be okay. And he's talked about just the way he's built, you know, the wiry rubber band man type that he's just, you know, that he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't get injured and he can play all these minutes. And I man, there's a lot of times Omani will bring him to the bench for such a short amount of time and bring him right back in. You don't even realize he was off the court, you know, because they rely on him so much. But it is something that you have to, you know, you obviously have to keep your eye on. The problem is, man, they need to win so bad, Bernsey. Like, I they know. need to win. I know. Like, it's was it nine out of ten games that they've lost? Yeah, nine, nine out, out of ten. ten. Nine out of ten. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you look. It's hard to sit, when they're rolling out. You know, Dwayne Washington and Dario and Akoji and Landale in the fourth quarter of basketball games. It's not, this isn't the same team. This is this isn't the same team from last year. They're a much different team, and so that they're really trying to get a, a win in the worst way. And so you you know you want you want to get over the hump there, but you do have to look at the long term issue. We had James Jones on last week. And, you know, we, we sat there and we think, okay, maybe it doesn't matter the seating. Just make sure you're healthy at the right time. He didn't agree with that. He he kind of believes that the seating does matter a little bit. And that could be why they're playing these guys all these minutes to win basketball games. The Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. That is coming up. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Now, these mock drafts are pouring in with the conclusion of the college football season last night. What are the popular names attached to the Arizona Cardinals? Gee, let me think about that. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Of course, the other elements, all of this offseason talk for the Cardinals, in addition to who's going to be their GM, who's going to be their head coach, what are they going to do in the draft? And the draft's not until April 27th, so we got a long, long time to figure out what they're going to do in the draft with the number three pick. But already, and we'll get into this in greater detail a little later in the show, I can I can tell you right now, the Bears have already come out and said they'd have to be blown away to take a quarterback you know, in, in the draft because they like Justin Fields so much. they got the Colts on record talking about really wanting to move up to take a quarterback. And in the middle of it, sit the Arizona Cardinals at number three. Last night's national championship game, Gambo, we, we got to take a real good, hard look. I mean, maybe not as hard as we would have liked because it was such a blowout, but certainly one of the candidates who could go to the Arizona Cardinals was featured prominently in that game last night. They're going to have options among two potentially game-changing, franchise-changing type defensive yeah. players out there. And, and everybody going to say it's the dream scenario. You can't go wrong with either one, but one of them is going to be better than the other of one. Of course. Just, it always yeah. works out that way, and that's why I said, man, this GM that comes in, whoever this GM is going to be, man, you got to... It sounds great, but if you're sitting there and and you are going to make that pick at number three, and you're sitting there and you got to decide between Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr., good luck. Good luck, because everybody will say, oh, you can't go wrong with either one. And different players, one's a defensive tackle, one's an edge rusher, but they're both great, great great college players, and they're both from great programs. You know, you know, Anderson's from Alabama, Carter's from Georgia,
Georgia. Like, I understand what everybody's going to be saying, but you know this and I know this. One of those guys is going to be better than the other one. Yeah, the, and the only way you don't get it wrong is if one of those guys is only a little bit better than the other, right? Like, if, if it's marginally better than the other guy, then you can say it really, you know, that, that it made a difference, but it didn't make a huge difference. That's really the only way where you can say we didn't get it wrong is if both guys are really good and maybe one is just, maybe one is a five-time all-pro player and the other guy is a four-time all-pro player, right? Then you go, yeah, that's the only way. And so that decision, if it comes down to that, I'm telling you, this scenario of quarterbacks going one, two in the draft and the Cardinals then having to decide whether they want to trade down if there's a team that wants to move up to make it three quarterbacks in a row or whether the Cardinals want to stay put and take one of those two defensive players. We're months away from this thing, Gamble. I can totally see that happening now on draft night. 100% see that happen on draft night. Right. And then, again, I have absolutely – I know you want to trade. And I I, I don't mind that either. I would love to trade and get a plethora of draft picks. Imagine having a first this year. You move down five to ten spots. You get a first next year. You get a second this year, a third. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. Sign me up. But I'm not – I'm not upset at all if they have to sit there and take one of these two kids. Now you look at Jalen Carter, you're like, oh my god, that like like I, I don't know which one I like better, but I would probably lean towards Carter because when you're just looking at him, I mean that guy, it looks like one of the most fizzy he looks like the Hulk. Okay? <laughs> yes, he, he looks like the incredible Hulk. He's just so big and so strong. And he's great against the pass. He's great against the pass and the run. Like, he's just a dominant, dominant player. And I think he declared today, right? Didn't he come he out did, today yes, and he make came his out announcement today. that he he's declared coming today. out? Yes, he did. He declared yep. today. So, I don't know that you can go wrong. Will Anderson Jr., my God, 207 pressures in three years? 207. So if you want that, that, you know, that unbelievable edge rusher, that, you know, that's your guy right there. It is. There, I got two mock drafts here in front of me. Mock number one uh, does not support my theory. Mock number two does. Mock number one comes to us from the Bleacher Report. You sent this to me. They've got the Bears taking Will Anderson number one. And they've got the Houston Texans taking Bryce Young number two. They've got the Cardinals now on the board. Could they entertain a trade for somebody to move up and take the second quarterback in the draft? They could. But they've got the Cardinals staying put and taking defensive lineman Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Now, maybe I haven't scrolled down the rest of this. Maybe this is one of those mocks. Nope, they, that doesn't project trades. I, I have to go and look through all of it. But, but if they're not projecting trades and they just got everybody staying put, that's what they have. Pro Football Focus came out with a mock draft today that does sort of back up what I think is going to happen, and that's quarterbacks going 1-2. They've got the Colts moving up to 1, taking Bryce Young. They've got the Texans staying at 2, taking Will Levis. They've got the Cardinals sticking at 3 and having that ultimate choice. Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? Carter or Anderson? They've got the Cardinals taking Will Anderson. You mentioned 207 pressures in three seasons. He's in a similar tier they write with the Vaughn Millers and the Khalil Max the few I mean, can you imagine getting Vaughn Miller? Can you imagine getting Khalil Mack, right, to be able to draft that guy, develop Look, kid, that guy, this, keep this that kid, guy? Only, only one player in the history of Alabama football has more sacks than Will Anderson. Derek Thomas. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Only Derek Thomas had more sacks at Alabama than Anderson. Like you know what the safest scenario was to pick four? 
the safest scenario would have been the Broncos lose that football game. <laughs> And the Cardinals pick four, a quarterback, and these two kids go, you know, and the two defensive players go one, two, three. And then, okay, now, I mean, you know, your, 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 your risk level isn't that great because you just trade the pick. You trade the pick for anybody who wants C.J. Stroud. Anderson's off the board, Carter's off the board, and Young's off the board, and you're sitting there at four, and then it's a no-brainer, right? At that point, it's like 99%. Trade the pick. Sure. Trade the pick. Sure. This is harder, Bernsey. Because these two kids are such dominant players that, you know, do you really want to trade a pick where you could end up with you could end up with a premier pass rusher in the league? No, like, it, 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 and while it might be less risky, it, it's also, you know, you lose out on the reward, right? Like if you're sitting there, if you if you're drafting four and you don't get the reward of a potentially franchise altering player like one of these two guys might be and maybe both of these guys might be, you miss out on the reward potentially of that happening. It's I, I mean, this is this is going to be this. Is gonna, I know it gets said all the time. Man, this is truly going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons the Arizona Cardinals have. There are so many moving parts to how this is going to work. Who's the GM? Who's the head coach? What do you do with DeAndre Hopkins? What kind of return do you get if you trade him? What do you do at number three? Who's there for you? Who's available? I, I And I, I'll tell you right now, yeah, I'm normally the trade-down guy. If, if you tell me right now one of these two players is the next J.J. Watt or he's the next Khalil Mack or he's the Nick next Bosa. Vaughn Miller, then don't go anywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're going to tell me that one of them's the next, next Nick Bosa, don't trade the pick at all. You'd be insane to trade the pick Listen, if one of those guys are going to be that. You go back to the Murray draft, and if I could do that all over again, I would have taken Bosa, <laughs> knowing what I know now. <laughs> I would. Knowing what I know now. I don't know who my quarterback would be. It probably it wouldn't be Josh Rosen, but I would have um, if I if I could do it all over again, I would have taken Bosa, and that was their that was their choice. Like if they didn't take Murray, they would have taken Bosa. Yeah, and man, I would rather have him right now than Murray. And at that point, your quarterback is probably like Andy Dalton or Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, or somebody like that. <laughs> if you could go back and do that one all over again, Texas, right? Here. And then you know you, you know where you'd be right now. You might be in a position where you're drafting C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young to be your quarterback. Potentially, yeah, or Will Levis. We'd be having the quarterback debate. Which one do we like more? Which one do we think is going to be if the future If you had Bosa star? on the roster right sure, now, yeah, sure, maybe. maybe. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. There are internal candidates for this GM job that the Cardinals have already interviewed. And as it turns out, one of them already sent a message to the rest of the locker room about the future. We'll share that with you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'm not going to get into details of uh, any of the candidates we're, we're reaching out to other than to, than to acknowledge that uh, I've done the two interviews with uh, one with uh, Adrian, one with Quentin. It was Michael Bidwell yesterday, president of the Arizona Cardinals press conference you heard live here, announcing the resignation of Steve Keim, the firing of Cliff Kingsbury, and now the next chapter of Arizona Cardinals football. We wait to see who the next GM is going to be. We brought to you the names yesterday that we know, according to reports, have been or will be interviewed for the job outside the organization. Ian Cunningham, assistant GM of the Bears, Rand Carthon, the director of player personnel for the Niners. 
Adam Peters, assistant GM of the San Francisco 49ers. You can add another one now, and that's Jerry Reese, the former general manager of the New York Giants. He was their GM from 07 to 17, overseeing their two Super Bowl titles and hasn't, best we can tell, hasn't really been in the game for the last four years or so since he got let go by the Giants. Maybe he's been doing something for somebody, but if that's the case, Gambo, I haven't been able to find it. Um, And there's the case for staying in-house. Is there a case to be made when it comes to A-Dub and Quentin Harris and staying in-house for these jobs? I prefer they don't, but if one of those guys emerges as the best candidate for the job, then you hire them. And, you know, there's there's a lot of us, we want to break away. We want a whole new GM and coach and just everything new and a new culture. And if you bring one of those guys back, it may be looked as the same old, same old. Neither of those guys has been a general manager before. They've only learned under Steve Kime. That doesn't mean they're going to do everything like Steve does. They did learn under Steve. Um, and they're probably their own guys. But I think the majority of people would agree that they would prefer somebody else. I would think so, too. And I think that uh, for me personally, not that it should come down to this. I'll be really interested to see if other teams are interested in those two, two guys to be their general managers. I think we saw what well, Quentin Harris, I think was going to get an interview with the Titans, right? Yep. Okay, so Quentin Harris. So I'll be curious around the NFL how much of a known commodity, how much of a potential commodity are these two viewed at by other teams? Because that might, you know, increase the fans' interest in keeping them around. But I'm with you. I, for And we spoke about this a little bit yesterday. This is a Cardinals organization that has internally promoted from within for the general manager's job every single chance they've gotten since they hired Buddy Ryan in 1993. Now, I get it. Buddy Ryan, that whole, that probably the organization for a long, long time, right? And they, they that might have kind of scared them a little into their shell when it comes to promoting from within so you don't leave the future of your organization in a stranger's hands. But I think that is very much what fans want to see here. They want to see Michael get out of his comfort zone a little bit, much in the same way that Robert Sarver got out of his comfort zone when he stopped hiring unproven first-time head coaches and he went out and got Monty Williams to be his head coach. I very much want Michael to do the same thing here. I, I want Michael to get out of his comfort zone a little bit, bring in a new voice, a new fresh set of ideas, and somebody who didn't kind of come from within the system. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. against Harris. It's nothing against Aiden. We've had both on our show. They're both good, competent football guys. I'm just ready for something very different here, Gamble. If I did a poll question, I said, hey, Dave Burns, three options here. Michael Bidwell goes outside the organization for coach and GM. He stays inside the organization for both coach and GM, or he splits it. Coach and GM, one outside the organization, one inside. Which way would you lean? I would want him to go outside for both. Well, but what do you think he'll do? I we, we 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 want the same thing. We want him to go yes. outside. I think I think he's going to go outside for both. Okay, I do too. I, I think he's going to go outside for both. I, there was some. I know you mentioned Quentin Harris, Adrian Wilson. If you remember this from last year, Byron left, which was, was being talked about as potentially being the Jaguars coach. Yep, I do. But he. If I remember correctly, Leftwich was kind of insistent that they that they bring Adrian Wilson along as his GM, and he, I think that's why he didn't get the job. He was. I was thinking about that moment actually when I was watching the Jags game on um, 
on Saturday night because they showed Trent Balky, who the GM of the Jags. They showed him in a is celebrating in a in a suite during the game. And if I remember the story right, he was the guy that left, which was trying to power play out. Out, right. yep. yeah, like like oh yeah, I'll come be your coach, but I you, I got to bring a Dub with me. He's gonna be gotta my general manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. He didn't fail, and ultimately the job went to Doug Peterson, and Balky stayed. This is Mike Garofolo yesterday. Um, I want to play the soundbite for you. This is actually what kind of started the whole conversation, even though I'm playing it now. Uh, Garofolo yesterday on the NFL Network talked about a team meeting a couple of weeks back with A-Dub and Quentin Harris, and I'll just let him take it for there. Both of those guys addressed the team in a meeting within the last two weeks, I am told, with the message of, hey, we're coming down the stretch here. You guys need to work, and we need to work, too. They may blow up the whole thing, but if we're moving forward... Uh, as the general managers or one of the two of them and, and, and the other one still maybe perhaps in place, we want to see guys that are willing to put in the work around here. So this feels like a time where the change in culture is much needed for the Arizona Cardinals. And I know that that was taken two different ways by the players in the room. It sounds like some guys were a little perturbed by it, but other guys, some veterans who have been successful around the league said that needed to be said. So they appreciated the message. I would love to know who was perturbed by that. Who, who, yeah, who's upset? we need a new culture. Guys that are comfortable. Yes. Guys that are comfortable and feel like they can do what they want with not, you know, I mean, is Kyler Murray one of those guys? I don't know. I don't you know. know the, the only guys that would be perturbed by that, is that the word perturbed? Perturbed, yes. Is guys that are very comfortable and feel like they're not being held accountable and stuff like that. You know, somebody comes in, they change the culture. Well, it's all new rules. <laughs> okay? It's all new rules. Yeah. So, you know, you, they want you five minutes before before meetings at nine. You got to be there five minutes before. Guess what? You got to be there five minutes before. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have so you, they want they want you to dress a certain way on a team plane. You dress a certain way on a team plane. Somebody comes in and they're going to cha- change in the culture. And so, you know, veterans who want to win understand that that's, nece- that's uh, necessary. And I think younger players who maybe you know, like, like I'm comfortable. I like it this way. They don't want to be pushed and, and have to do those type of things. All right, let me ask you this question. And I actually heard this on the Midday Show. Aaron Maloney brought this up during Wolfing Down Your Lunch. If you go internal for one and external for the other, which one's internal, which one's external? I don't see any way that you hire a GM from outside the organization and he retains Vance. Okay. So it would be more likely that you would keep the GM and then they would hire a new coach. Okay. So you would keep one of them as the GM and they would hire a new coach. I th- I just think, look, and, and maybe it would work out, but I don't think it's a great look to just come back with the same old, same old. You know, now, so a coach from inside, the, from inside and a GM from inside. And I really do think, and I'm being sincere when I say this, I, I really think in some ways that's unfortunate because I think that works against three really good football guys in Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson and Vance Joseph. And that's, you know, tough. What are you going to do about it? But I think given a different set of circumstances, you could justify doing that internally, giving those guys the job, giving Vance the job, and you could reasonably expect a culture change because of those three guys. I just don't think this team in this set of circumstances can do that. There's only one there's only one way. There was only one way that was going to happen. And that was if this team would have been successful this year, wins nine nine games Games, Steve steps away, and then you just you promote from within because you've gone two years in a row of having a winning record and going to the playoffs. So this team would have had to have been successful. Yeah.
And then, then you would have made, you wouldn't have, why would you go outside? If, you know, you got two years in a row of things tracking in the right direction. And if Steve walks away, there's no reason to go outside the organization. You promote Quentin Harris or Adrian Wilson and you move on from there. The countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun. And Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text the word super to 62620. Register and then listen for your name starting February 6th. And you could score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So text SUPER to 62620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Now, when we come back, Cliff Kingsbury is now a statistic, and specifically one that waves another red flag of hiring coaches straight from college. We'll explain next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. TheRinger.com and their headline says it all. The college to NFL coaching pipeline has gone dry. This is not a piece about hiring the right guy. It's about not hiring the wrong guy. And that's very easy. Your list should not include any college coaches because college coaches no longer succeed when they jump to the pros. This is incredible. The only coach, they've got a list of coaches here. Only two of them have a winning percentage over 500. Jim Harbaugh and Bill O'Brien. Here's the list of college coaches that went to the NFL that have a, a below 500 since, record. Since 2000. Since 2000, college to NFL coaches. Go ahead. Nick Saban, Chip Kelly, Cliff Kingsbury, Butch Davis, Doug Marone, Steve Spurrier, Greg Schiano, Matt Rule, Bobby Petrino, Urban Meyer. <laughs> Man, only two guys. And, now, and they make an incredible argument that Harbaugh should not be considered a college to NFL coach. They have a reasoning for it. It's a good reason, too, I think. And they spent, they said, he spent 15 years in the NFL as a quarterback. Right. You know, and then he spent two years as a quarterback coach. So he's got 17 years of NFL experience when he took over as an NFL coach. He just shouldn't even count. Like Harper, that's saying like Harper, 15 years as a quarterback in the NFL, two years as a quarterback coach. Then he went to college and then he went to the NFL. So he shouldn't even count. So if you take Harbaugh out, you're only talking about Bill O'Brien, who, by the way, had the second most experience of any of those guys with five years. All the guys with no experience or, you know, little experience. experience, they, yeah. Yeah, although Sparia had 10 years. But, uh, I mean, that's the argument that they make that, you know, it was Harbaugh was a little bit different because he had been in the NFL for so, so you can make the argument he's more of an NFL guy that went to college than a college guy that went to the NFL. Yeah, they even looped in Pete Carroll into that argument, even though he doesn't quite fit the time framework in which they're working at here. He, of course, went from college to the NFL, but as they pointed out, he spent 16 years in the NFL, two different stints as a head coach in the National Football League before he was the head coach at USC. He, he, he knew the pro game. He understands how the pro game works, and and I mean, look, the, the chances of the Cardinals hiring a college coach are nil. I mean, it's none. They will not hire a college coach again no. this year. It, but the, the question now, outside of Jim Harbaugh, who I guess technically would be a college to the pros coach if he leaves Michigan and goes to the NFL, it doesn't seem like any it, it does feel like that for now as a narrative, that's done. Like teams, I, I can't imagine 
the Texans looking at a college coach? I can't imagine. I mean, unless I'm really misreading it, I can't imagine any of the five current openings thinking, you know what? Here's a good idea. Let's go hire Lincoln Riley. Hey, here's a good idea. Let's go hire Kirby Smart or or Dabo Swinney or any of those guys to be our head coach. I, I just it does feel like that for now, has had its day. I don't know if that's closed permanently. I don't know if that's closed for good, but it feels like that for now has had its day. And it's The passed. last three guys were Matt Rule, Urban Meyer, and Cliff Kingsbury. Unmitigated disasters in all three. All of them failed. Disasters. Urban Meyer was the worst. Yes. Kingsbury was probably the best out of the group, to be honest. In terms of winning percentage, by far. Yeah. Like he won 43% of his games with the Cardinals. Matt Rule was hanging out about 29% of his yeah. games with the Carolina Panthers. He was by far the best of the three most recent ones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, there's something to be said for the experience that you gain as, as an NFL you know, assistant coach, as an NFL offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. It's a different game. Like It's a different game. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I think that right now, listen, it may trend back that way, but not now. Like the trend right now is don't hire college coaches. And this was a really good story about, you know, the failures of the college coach coaches recently. There, there may be a guy that at some point you'd like, man, I want to give this guy a shot. But uh, look, there's a reason that, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of the great successful college coaches stay in college. Sure. Sure. Well, and I think something you've been saying for the last couple of days it, it, to, to, to take this story and kind of throw it. And, and reverse the stream here a little bit, reverse the flow a little bit. You've been saying for a few days now that you expect Cliff Kingsbury to have no interest in going back to the college game at all. None. 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 I was told he hates the college game. He doesn't want to go back, especially and, now with NILs and recruiting and having to keep a phone in, in your pocket at all times yep. and waiting for it to buzz to tell you if a kid's going to come or not or the transfer. He has zero desire to coach in college. And ultimately, zero. that's my point, is that it feels like the differences between the the college and the pro game right now is as stark and as dramatic as it's ever been. And not just because of, of you know, the, the clock and, and the roster rules, but the, the NIL and the transfer portal and the, the, the round-the-clockness, if you will, of the it job, right? It it's just, around the clock. It just, it feels like the differences between being a pro football coach and a college football coach have never been more pronounced, have never been more different and if you're if you're in one you're going to be in one and if you're in the other you're going to be in the other and chances are you're so ingrained in being either a college coach or a pro coach that the other game likely doesn't interest you very much right now because you're just so used to football the way you know it right now the I think these guys I think you're going to have a lot of college coaches having nervous breakdowns I, I don't I don't get it like you had the recruiting period and you try to sign as many high school kids as you can and that was great right and then every once in a while You'd have a guy transfer, and some of them had to sit out a year before they could play again. I mean, I was busy this weekend breaking three stories that ASU signed three guys, right? One from Texas, and uh, a kicker from Cal, and then a safety from USC. And I was in the midst of... This is like... This is a whole nother level outside of just recruiting high school kids. Now sure. you're, now you're battling. You know you, these all these kids enter the portal. What do we need? We need a wide receiver. Okay, let's let's go get this kid. Now you're battling with five other schools again. It's just a whole different level, and it's just the amount of work that it takes to be a college football coach. That's why I'm. That's why I've reported this. Cliff has no desire to go back to college. I would not expect that to happen. You've got to be young. 
and hungry, and if you're not young, you need to have a staff filled with young, hungry people who are just going to be out there working 20 hours a day. I mean, it's the that's the only way you, you need to be single. Up. And you, and you, might, you might need to be single too. You might need to be. You're single. just not going to have time to raise kids or get married or do anything like that. Right. I mean, it's just married to that it's job. A job that's going to require so much attention, so much upkeep. It's going to be hard. Speaking of which, by the way, speaking of the college coaching, did you see uh, uh, Deion Sanders? He didn't say it, but Kirk Herbstreit said it last night on the national championship broadcast. Apparently, uh, Coach Prime let it drop that. The week zero game, basically the week before the regular season starts, Colorado's going to open its season against ASU. Wow. That's what Herb Street said last night on the broadcast that Coach Prime dropped what? that. Because Coach Prime was, he was, I keep calling him Coach Prime. I should call him Coach Sanders. Coach Prime was on the, the pregame set. He was doing a little pregame hit before the national championship. And I guess off the air, he told Herb Street that Colorado is planning on opening its season at ASU. That's going to be the debut for Coach Sanders in Colorado. At ASU. At ASU is what he said. Yep. Yeah. You know what? I'd like to get, I'd like to get him early right now if I'm ASU. I mean, both teams with a lot of because when you take over a program, there's this there's this benefit that you can actually. That's why you're seeing so many guys sign with ASU. You get this one year, you know, magic thing where you can get rid of like a bunch of players. Like you can, you can get rid of a bunch of players. I don't know what it is, but there's like an extra ten players that you can move on from. So a lot of coaches take advantage of that that first year and redo the roster. So it's it's just it's a one year thing when you take over a new program. Yep. When we come back, reports have linked a power forward to the Suns. The Carlos Correa saga has maybe reached an end. And could we soon have a sixth head coaching vacancy in the NFL? All of that and much more. The 4 o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.